So we've been doing a series around here called Better. Everybody say Better. Better. And the reason why we've been doing this series, we, we started at the very beginning of the year, right, with, uh, with, with kind of New Year's resolutions, and now all of you New Year's resolutions are firmly in the rearview mirror, um, and, and, but, we're, but we're still working on how to make 2019 better and how to make your life better. Not your life better in the American 21st century model, but better according to the scriptures, better according to what Jesus described. Here's how he said it in John 16, 7. He said, but I tell you the truth, it is better for you that I go away. For if I may not go away, the comforter will not come unto you. And if I go on, I will send him to you. See, Jesus said life would be better for his disciples if he left and so that he could send them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so what does this promise of something better mean for us? We've been talking about over the, over the last few uh, weeks, look at what John 14, 16 says. It says, Jesus said, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. He will give you a helper that he may abide with you forever. That word helper, remember, is the Greek word parakletos, we studied that one of these weeks. It means comforter. It means counselor. It means intercessor, advocate, or one who comes alongside. See, that's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He comes alongside to help us. And uh, he wants you to live your life beyond what you alone are capable of doing. He wants to help you. And so one of the ways that the Holy Spirit makes life better is by speaking and showing you his will. One of the ways the Holy Spirit makes life better is by speaking. Everybody say speaking. The Holy Spirit speaks. Today we're going to talk about the voice of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 12 through 14, it's in your message notes. It says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I love this phrase of Jesus, right? Because it's like he's got all the disciples that are hanging out in a circle. He's like, I have so much more to tell you, <laughs> but I can't tell you. If I tell you now, it will blow your mind. You can't handle it. You can't handle the truth. And so, and so he has to wait. He has to wait for the spirit of truth to come so they can handle it. However, when he, the spirit of truth, to come, he will guide you, see there it is, into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Underline that whole phrase right there. He, he, he but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Trying to figure out what's the Holy Spirit's voice, one of the things we've already talked about is, does it glorify Jesus? Because the Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus. That's one of the tests of what is the voice of the Spirit and what's not. But here's what I want to emphasize to you today. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. He wants to give you instruction and guidance and counsel. He wants to help you with the challenges that you're facing in life. He wants to lead you and me into the things that are absolutely wonderful for you. See, the Holy Spirit is here. And he's, 
Jesus has sent him, and all you gotta do is receive the, this gift of him walking alongside you. John 8, 47 says, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. I love this verse because what it actually is saying is when you're one of God's kids, you will hear his voice. If you belong to your heavenly father, of course he's gonna talk to you. If he's your dad, he's gonna talk to you. Now, the problem is, a bunch of us in here have broken families and our dad didn't talk to us. And so for some of you, it's like, ah, I don't know if, I don't know if God really wants to talk to me or if he's tolerating me. God wants to talk to you. He's not ignoring you. He doesn't want to ignore you. He wants to lean into you. He doesn't want to punish you by giving you the silent treatment. Now, sometimes God is silent, but it's not punishment that he's after. Sometimes I am, I've told my boys and girl, somehow I have to tell the boys more, but I, it probably just has to do with her personality, but sometimes I'm silent and I'm going to see what they're just going to do because I've already told them ad nauseum. <laughs> and it's not that, I, that's not that I'm interested in punishing them. I'm, I'm certainly not going to let them endanger themselves. That, that, that wouldn't be fatherly of me or loving of me. So I'm not going to do that. But sometimes, sometimes God is silent, but I, but I promise you, there is a, a love that God has for you, and that's why he gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit. The God of the Bible is not petulant or moody. He is not abusive or sadistic. He's not withholding stuff and then, oh, oh here it is. No, that's not him. He's a loving father who loves you, the Bible says, as much as he loves Jesus. He loves you the same as he loves Jesus. If you play that out in your mind, it means he wants you to go to the cross. But we'll do, we can talk about that later. <laughs> he, that's why Jesus said, you take up your cross daily and you follow me. But there's something loving that the Father has for you in that process. And he sends you the gift of the Holy Spirit to help you with that and to speak to you. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you, but you have to be able to discern his voice. You have to be able to discern his voice. Look at this in Romans 8, 14 through 16. It says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons or daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, it's a term of endearment. It's something so close and, and, and affectionate could be translated as Papa. It's like, it's like you're just, you're, you're, you're calling out to your dad. The spirit himself, the scripture says in verse 16, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Listen, it's your birthright as a child of God to be led by the spirit of God. And this isn't something that is reserved for a few extraordinary Christians, the elite among us who are super spiritual, who walk with God in more deep ways than others. No, if you're one of God's kids, you can hear what he's saying and be led by the Holy Spirit who is the one who speaks to you and it's your right to be led by the Holy Spirit as a child of God. It's a gift to you. A chief characteristic of God's kids is that we are led 
Everybody say led. You were led by the Holy Spirit. Now that means, that means you gotta follow. And therein lies the trouble. He's trying to lead you, but you gotta follow. He wants you to follow him. If you're not being led by the Spirit of God, then something's wrong. And I believe that the great reason why people are not being led by the Spirit is they simply do not understand the practical ways that God leads us as his people. Because it is true. And I think the scriptures bear this out as you read them. God can give you a dream or a vision. A dream is something happens when you're asleep. You ever had a dream? It's like you wake up, oh my goodness, is, that, is God talking to me or is it pizza? <laughs> Sometimes it's God. Other times it's pizza. You have a vision when you're awake. You could see something and, and God shows you something. God could speak to you through an angel. God could speak to you by writing something on a wall as he did in the scriptures. God can speak to you in an audible voice. These are all ways that God speaks to people in the scriptures. But you need to understand that those ways will be the exceptions and not the rule. Not necessarily the rule. You see, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come on a person. The Spirit of God would come on a person for great exploits, great activities. And, and so this, this, there was an empowerment even in the Old Testament. But after Jesus... After Jesus came and sent the gift of the Holy Spirit, the New Testament, the New Covenant, so much better than the Old Covenant, he, Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit to live, the Bible says, in us. And that's what we've been talking about the last several weeks. And so I want you to see here this morning that there are some common ways that God speaks to us. But one of the most common ways is an inward witness, an inward witness of the Holy Spirit. Look at the phrase again in 8.16. 8.16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you're, if you're taking notes and you see that little verse there, I want you to underline the words, bears witness. We hear God's voice when the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. What does this mean? The English meaning of the words to bear witness is to corroborate or to give evidence. That's a fun word to say, corroborate. It sounds like you're saying collaborate wrongly. <laughs> corroborate, you're corroborating something, you're giving evidence. And I want you to think about this because why does something need to be corroborated? Why do you need to give evidence? Well, in a court of law, you give evidence after a statement has been made. The statement has been made, now there's evidence that's gonna follow the statement that's already been made. That's what Jesus has done for us. He's made a statement. Why do you need to give evidence? It's like you're, you say in a court of law, your honor, this person could not have committed the crime. Why? Well, I have proof that this person was in another city during this time, right? That's, that's, like, that's evidence. The statement's made, he's innocent, now, now there's a evidence. And so to give evidence means to back something up that has already been stated. And that's what a witness is. Think, so think about it this way. And I love the fact that in Acts 1-8, Jesus he says to his disciples, you'll be my witnesses. You'll give the evidence to the statement I'm about to make. The statement that I've already made that the world is loved and embraced by God and can be free of all their sin, all their foolishness, all their pain. There is a freedom that I'm bringing to the world. 
And so that's, that the, we are witnesses of this. Think about it in this way. When I say, I'm a child of God, the Holy Spirit bears witness that that is true. I say it, I believe it. It's like, it's like I can feel it inside. Yep, yep, that's the truth. So you guys say this after me. I am a child of God. Say it. I am a child of God. It's like, yeah. Yes, like, yes. If you've been a Christian for a bunch of years, you've probably gotten used to that yes, that inward witness. It's like, oh yeah, I'm a child of God. Sometimes you forget. When you say, I'm a child of God, it's not like you have this overwhelming feeling coming on you, but helping you to realize the Holy Spirit is the inward witness, but there's something you're settled. But here, if you were to say, I'm a child of Satan. Go ahead, say it. No, see? I can't say it. If you say, I'm a child of Satan, you're like, ooh. You won't even say it. That's the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's kind of inside you going, nope, 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 that's not good. <laughs> not true. And so here in this verse that we're looking at in Romans, the Apostle Paul is describing the Holy, how the Holy Spirit gives us an inner witness. And, and I, there are a few things I want you to know about this, okay? First of all, the inward witness is a response. It's a response to something that's already happening. It's, it's a response to something we're already doing or talking about or planning or believing. We believe the statement that we are a child of God, so that's already been settled. Now we're acting out what it means to be a child of God. So this is not something that can be done initially by yourself, right? It's, you have to have a plan, an idea, an action, or a direction that the Holy Spirit witnesses for or against. Are you with me? You're tracking with me? Something that's for or against. And so the inward witness is a response to something. Secondly, the inward witness is not a feeling. It's not like good feelings. It's not just some kind of chemical reaction in your brain. The inward witness of the Holy Spirit is much deeper than a feeling. And this is really important to understand because a lot of people are led by their feelings. I told you a few weeks ago, as your pastor, I have a lot of feelings. I have way too many feelings. And my wife helps me with my feelings. She's the happy one in the house, and um, I'm the realist. Just kidding. All pessimists want to be known as realists. But there's feelings that sometimes when we're really happy about something, then those feelings can lead us. Or when we're really discouraged about something, those feelings can lead us. Holy, the inward witness is not a feeling. It's much more than a feeling. It's much more spiritual, much more meaningful. There's something that is supernatural about it and something that's connected to the scriptures and to a relationship with God and to a connectivity with his people. Third, the inward witness is a confident knowing. A confident knowing on the inside from the Holy Spirit. A confident knowing from, on the inside from the Holy Spirit. Look at how this works in Acts 16, 6 through 10. It says, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word 
in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I love this verse because it, it has so many little things you can unpack about the inward witness and the, and the speaking of the Holy Spirit to this group of first century Christians. I want you to notice the number of places that the Apostle Paul tried to go. There's a number of places the Paul, Apostle Paul tried to go to preach the gospel in this passage. There was f the first place, Phrygia, Galatia, Asia, Mysia, Bithynia, and Troas. He tried to go to six different places to preach the word, to preach the gospel, to preach the message. And I want you to think about this because the Apostle Paul and his team weren't just sitting around twiddling their thumbs. Where does the Holy Spirit want us to go? I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, that's kind of how we try to hear the Holy Spirit. Like, mm, I'm hearing something. <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's something more active that they were doing. They weren't just twiddling their thumbs. They, they weren't waiting for God to drop something down from heaven as to what they were to do and as to where they were to go. They were following the general. Everybody say General. They were following the general instructions that God had already given them. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things I've commanded you, and I'm with you. I'll be with you wherever you go. That's what Jesus said. And so the apostle Paul and his team were following the Great Commission. They were going out to different nations preaching the gospel. But number two, even more specifically in Acts 13, the, the apostle Paul had received this, his commission to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Acts 13, two through three says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, for the work to which I have called them. And then having fasted and prayed and, uh, and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So Paul is obeying the general commission that Jesus has sent them on, but then there's a specific thing that the Holy Spirit says, take this message to the Gentiles. And so the apostle Paul and his team were following the instructions that God had already given them and they were going to Asia, but God didn't want them to go to Asia. That's crazy. I'm sure Asia needed the gospel. But there was another part of the world that was more receptive to the gospel, that God wanted to steer them towards, and God knew this. It was the northern part of Greece. This is Macedonia, and it was ripe for the gospel. And so here with the Apostle Paul, God knew the difference between the receptivity of the people of Asia, minor, and the receptivity of the people of Macedonia. So he knew the difference, and the Holy Spirit prompted the Apostle Paul towards Macedonia by this dream. Right? So, but but they, were, they were working towards something the whole time. Look at verse 7. They attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. 
So they tried to get in, but the Apostle Paul and his team, they were moving forward where they thought they should go, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Now, when the Holy Spirit witnesses against something, we might call this a, like a spiritual gut check. Like you just kind of have a, hmm, this isn't working. This something. Or well, somebody have, some people have called, they've termed it over the years, a check in my spirit. People would say that. Uh, I, I think the, the Bible doesn't use that term, but it's just a way to describe the experience. It's like, hmm, I have a spiritual gut check. It means I have a hesitation. I, it means I felt like I wasn't supposed to do this. It's more than a feeling. It's more than the heebie-jeebies, right? It's not that. Because sometimes Jesus is going to call you right into the middle of the heebie-jeebies, <laughs> whatever that may be. <laughs> because you're called to go into the world. You're called to go where people need Jesus. You're called to go where the sick are, where people are suffering from their own sinfulness. You're called to do that. But this is a really strong sense that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's like hitting a red light or even a yellow light. Maybe you've tried. You're going down this road that you're on. But I want you to notice that it is a response to something. Right? It's, the Holy Spirit, is, there's an inward witness. There's a response. The Apostle Paul if the Apostle Paul hadn't had a plan, he wouldn't have had the check to moving forward. He wouldn't have encountered the red light because he, he said he was going to do this because he started moving down the path. God directed him on, right? But then he was redirected. <laughs> see, one of the things I want you to see from the Apostle Paul's experience is you don't always have to know exactly what to do. You don't always have to know exactly what you're supposed to do. In fact, sometimes you need to experiment a little bit to find the will of God. You need to start walking forward. And we tune into, the, into God's voice by moving with him. Everybody say moving. We're moving with him. That's why we have a statement at One Chapel. We help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. That's his will. That's his desire. That's the general guidelines that we're going to work with as a church, and then we help them move where they're supposed to go. So we move with him and toward him in the most general way, the Great Commission. We go everywhere to share the gospel. Then we might find a more specific direction as we begin to say, you know, God, where should we go? Like moving to Austin, like I did and like a bunch of you did because most of you weren't born here. You moved here for a job or because you wanted to live in such a cool city. But then, as you, you have to decide where you're going to work, what job you're gonna have, and you should pray about all that as you're doing, where you're gonna live, and then it gets real specific. You, you finally get a house or an apartment, and now you are directed to be a great neighbor by the scripture. You're already directed to do that. It's not a question, right, of whether you're supposed to be a great neighbor. That that's, gets real specific. You're a great neighbor to Tom and Sue who live next door. Or the Holy Spirit might speak to you to hold back from Tom and Sue because they aren't quite ready to hear all about the stuff you're into. All that Jesus stuff. Or the whole... Or, 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 but the Holy Spirit might speak to you about Terry and Sheila who live on the other side of the street and they seem really spiritually open. And they're ready for friends and ultimately for the love of Jesus to be shared through you. 
But all this takes time and focus and energy and listening and moving forward. When we came to Austin, uh, when I moved here with my family and a whole bunch of people moved with us from Colorado, uh, I, I thought we were going to have our first starting church in St. Ed's University, St. Edward's. I was so excited about this right down there on Congress. It's such a beautiful campus. We had looked at it. We'd gone through it. We'd made all the plans. We, they, they'd said, yes, we're ready to do it. And the night before, we were supposed to go in to sign the papers. They called and said, yeah, we're not going to be able to do this. The, board's not, the board has, it's too much for us. It's not, it, it, this is too much. We're not going to be able to make this happen. We were like, oh, this was the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be here. This is what a lot of people do. They're like, no, I know it. I know the Holy Spirit. He's led us right here. And then they start fighting with people. You can't fight with people and then force them to rent to you. But I don't know. There's this weird thing that gets in people's heads like, oh, this is it. No, I, I just trusted that the Holy Spirit had another place. Now, when I came to Austin, I said... Lord, I'll meet anywhere except a movie theater. I don't want to meet in a movie theater. Got to the place where the only place available was a movie theater, and I decided, we concluded, as the scriptures say about the first century, we concluded this was where God wanted us to be. And looking back, I can see that it was the direction of the Holy Spirit. I could see it. I could feel it. And now, here we are in this leased facility that I'm so grateful for, but I want to get rid of. And so I just, I want, a, I, I, I want another building. I want something else to, uh, lease rates kill me and they may, oh, bird. Lord, I drive the streets. I look for, oh, I'm, it's clear to me. It's clear to me. We're either going to need a miracle from God. Because we live in Austin, in, in the southwest side of Austin, there just ain't that many pieces of property. There ain't that many buildings you can renovate. So we need a miracle or we need a heck of a lot more money. <laughs> that's just, that's just, those are just the facts. And I'm okay with that. Because I trust that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us. And he's going to lead us on this journey. It's kind of like if, if I'm buying clothes online versus buying clothes in the store, which I love buying clothes online, because I can just send them right back. But there is a difference. If they don't fit, you can, I can send them back, but it takes like a week. But if, if I go, and I don't always know what shirt I'm going to go buy if I go into a store. I go into a store, and I'm looking around, and then I want to try it on a little bit, and then I was like, well, that doesn't feel good. And I, put it, I take it off, and that makes me look fat. And then I, you, know, you go through the whole thing, and then you put it back, you put it, and you're like, oh, perfect, look at that. And then you go home, and you realize that the mirrors at the store are different than your mirrors. <sighs> but here's the, here's the point. The same is true in life because God leads us in different ways. Sometimes God will tell you right up front, sometimes what you're supposed to do and you just know it, what job you're supposed to take, who you're supposed to hire, but sometimes God leads by the inner witness. I would say most of the time, God leads through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. The gentle prompting, the responsiveness to your steps. My dad has a saying in the Parsley home, and he told it to me when I was a child, and he said, son, I was trying to make 
hard decisions about life and where to go to college and different things. He said, son, it's really hard to drive a parked car. Deep wisdom from the Parsley family. Sometimes we sit still suffering from a paralysis of analysis. And listen to me, because this is really the point of the talk today. It's more difficult to hear, your, hear God's voice if you're not already moving with what He has said previously. We must be moving toward Him in obedience, because God's voice gets clearer when we're moving with Him in obedience. Whatever He has said previously, whatever His Word has said, when you're in line with, his, with obeying His Word, and, you, and you've, you're doing what He said to do that you already know to do, His voice gets clearer. Start by doing what you know to do. Do what you know to do, and God's voice will get more specific. When you do what you know to do, God's voice will then get more specific. The guy wants to, God to bless him with great wealth, but has never developed a good work ethic or has never tithed to his local church or has never been a good saver. That guy's going to have a hard time getting great wealth. He may get it, but he'll waste it all. Guy's going to have a really hard time getting Holy Spirit ideas or which job God wants him to take. He may be able to get rich, but he'll do it in his own strength. You want to have a great ministry to people? Look around and find a place to start connecting. In your local church, serve on a team, teach a kid's class, start a group. <coughs> Excuse me. Demonstrate your faithfulness and I promise God will begin to speak to you about what direction you should go. But you should do the thing you already know to do. In fact, you'll discover a whole new group of people you didn't even know were here in this church. When you start to connect and serve, find a place to belong. Listen, everybody, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He wants to give you instruction and guidance and counsel. He wants to help you with the challenges you're facing. He wants to lead you into the things that are absolutely wonderful to you. The question is, are you listening? And I want you to, I want you to practice this over the next month. I want you to practice this over the next month. And I'm gonna ask you to do something today that will force you to lean in to the idea of being led by the Holy Spirit. Yes, this is the secret thing that's going to happen. <laughs> Some of you are like, is this it, is this it, is this the? I sent an email out for those of you who aren't in on it. It's a, I sent an email out and said, we're gonna make a memory. And we are gonna make a memory. Um, so, but, I, but I didn't explain what it was today. I kept it hidden, often like the Holy Spirit does. For some of you, it convinced you to come to church. You do what you're supposed to do already, God gets more specific. So I began to consider an idea that is so crazy and yet so characteristics of, of God's ways with us. And it came from where we are as a church, like just where we are in this place, you know, as I'm, what we're doing in this community and the vision God has given us. And, 
And I heard the Holy Spirit saying to me, will you believe that I can provide for you? I heard the Holy Spirit speaking to me, say, will you live out, a, out of a place of generosity that will be so clear that I'm the one who's blessing you instead of your work blessing yourself? Will you be willing to trust me and what I'm doing in this region and cooperate with me? <laughs> and I said, no. I don't. Just, just kidding. Just kidding. Of course, I said yes. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, I just want you to do it the way I want you to do it. So I began thinking about our legacy as a church. I began thinking about what God has called us to do together. We have three locations right now. We have vision for 10. You know, we're struggling to figure out next moves, next campus. It is the thing that God's given us to do. We have to figure it out. Buildings, all that stuff, it's all in front of us. And, and I just, I can't quite figure out always the way forward. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something and I'm gonna give you an envelope. I think all the ushers are here. Uh, I'm about to give you an envelope, and I'm going to describe it. it. Looks like this, and I, I want you to um, I want you to do something with this envelope. Don't don't hand it out yet until I'm ready. Yeah, you can come right here. It's okay. You can come forward. It's okay. So just hold until I tell you. So I, I want you to I want you to treat what's in this envelope as sacred, and and I want you to um, I want you to think about multiplying the legacy of what God has given you what God has given us. And I want, to, I want you to use this as an exercise in being led by the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I began to consider an idea that is so crazy and yet I think so characteristic of God's ways with us. And it came from where we are as a church as I was praying about this and I was asking the Lord, what can we do? How, how do you wanna lead us as a church? What, wh how do you want us to accomplish the vision you've put in front of us? What can we do next? What should we do next? And I was, I've been leaning into that. And I heard the Holy Spirit saying to me, will you believe that I can provide for you? Will you, be, will you live out of a place of generosity so that it will be clear that I'm the one who's blessing you instead of your own works? Will you be willing to trust me in what I'm doing in you and in the community around you? And I said, no. <laughs> I didn't really say no. But I, wanted to, I want him to do it the way I want him to do it. I think that's so common for us. Of course, I said yes. So I began thinking about our legacy. I began thinking about the legacy of our, that we're leaving in our city and, and how to multiply that legacy in our region and, and how people can experience the love of Christ in a tangible way with, with you. Experiencing this leadership of the Holy Spirit, listening to his voice, speaking into people's lives. And there are, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hand you something. I'm going to hand you an envelope. So ushers, would you just come down to the front and don't pass them out until I tell you. But I have an envelope for you today and I'm going give to you, give you something. There's two things in this envelope that I'm going to give you. And I want you, to, I want you to treat what's in this envelope as sacred. Because I, I think it, 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 there's, there's something that Jesus wants for you 
he wants for you individually and something he wants for our church corporately. And we're going we're gonna to do an exercise over the next month of listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to his voice and responding to him. And so I'm, I, I want you to pass out these envelopes so they're going to start passing them out. And I don't want you to open the envelopes till I tell you, okay? Oh, sorry. Everybody 14 and up gets an envelope. 14 and up. Sorry, all of you who are 13. That's all right. Next year. Next year. 14 and up. You're going to... 14 and up. I want, I, want, I want you to take this envelope. I want you to just hold it for a second. Everybody's like, well, can I see what's in it? What's... You guys, the, 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 the dynamic of of listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit is a sensitive thing. There's a lot of noise in your life and sometimes you need something that will focus your attention. That's what I want to do. And listen, listen to me. There's, there's like big projects we can do. We've, and we've done big projects. We've done stuff for Sunset Valley and Wadane Elementary School and other projects in our city that have been a blessing to organizations or to individual people. But honestly, what we're responsible for as his church is not just big projects, but something specific to me and to you to carry the gospel into the sphere of influence that we have. And that's what this is about. And so just take one of those envelopes and I want you to, I, I want you to begin to, to prepare your heart. This middle section, if you got, some of you other guys are done, just start from the back there so we can get through this. I'm so glad you came to church today because I think, I think God's gonna ask you to do something really profound. You don't know what's ahead for you. You don't know what this will look like, but here in this moment, you are willing you're going to be willing to say yes before you know what it is. Because I think that's part of it too. See, the Holy Spirit, there's a mystery. Yeah. See, you're holding it in your hand. You really want to know what's in there. Some of you think you know. But honestly, the mystery, there is a mystery to the Holy Spirit. You have to be willing very often to say yes before you know how it's all going to turn out. In fact, what I would say is most of the time you have to operate in a place of faith where you're willing even though you don't know what's coming. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. Just take your envelope and I want you to open it up. Take those two things out. Take it out. That $50 is not for you. It's not for you to take home and just keep yourself. That, that $50 is for someone else. That $50 is for someone else who you're going to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and how to create an opportunity to speak into their life. Because this isn't just about money. This is about the gospel. And this is a way, this is, all this is is a tool to focus your attention. There's so many other things that are taking your attention these days. I want to focus your attention. Nothing focuses our attention like money. And some of you are too attached to this stuff. And I believe what God led me as I decided I would trust Him, that I 
that I, was, I am willing to do whatever he wants us to do with what he's given us. doesn't matter to me. And I want you to think about investing this in another person. I don't know how it will happen. I'm not sure how the Holy Spirit will speak to you, but it's got to be something that grows the kingdom of God. You can give it to a person in need. You can buy something with it for a person in need. You can, you can do it individual or you can partner with your family members or a friend group to do something, but here's what you cannot do. You cannot do it flippantly. Now, being a good steward of our finances is really meaningful to me. This is, it's very important. It's one of the highest priorities for me and one chapel. This is, this is worship to God, to me. See, here's the thing. This isn't my money to give to you. It's your money. You already gave it to God. You gave it to God and relinquished control. All I'm doing is redirecting it back to you for him to tell you where to send it again. You see it? Now, some of you are in the room, you're like, well, I, I haven't given a lot of money to the church. <laughs> oh, no. Well, here's what I would say. <laughs> Let the grace of God be upon you. And maybe, maybe you might think about being all in to what God's called us to do. And so I think God's called us to do 10 churches in 10 years, over the next 10 years. We, there's three of them right now. And I don't know how we're going to move forward with buildings and all that stuff. I don't, I don't know how that's all going to happen, but I know it'll require a miracle. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that if we'll be generous, that if we'll be the kind of people that will sow a seed, because sometimes it has, you have to do something more than a prayer. You have to do an act that is so audacious and so full of faith that you plant a seed for something you don't know is coming. By the way, by the way, yeah, that's good. Listen, by the way, some of you are like, oh, did his mom know what we were doing today? No, she had no idea. I try to keep this really secretive because I wanted you to come to church to figure out what it was. So, listen, you can't just do the, take the easy way out with this. You can't go to lunch after church and then leave an anonymous big fat tip for your server. That's not what this is designed for. The, the, that's the easy way out, right? Now, if the Holy Spirit tells you to do it, do it. You're, you're good. This is yours to do with as you please. But here's the assignment. The assignment is to exercise hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and then in, in a sphere of influence that you have personally because that's the harder road. How does God want to speak to somebody you already know? How does he want to use this to focus your attention and let an act of generosity and kindness transform a person's soul because it was just at the right time, just at the right moment? That's what I believe in. And so this is a practical illustration. It's a practical exercise for one chapel for us to do this. And I want you to think about it. We're doing it at all three locations today. And it's going to be a, multipli- a multiplying effect of our legacy. It's not just one big project together. It's like hundreds of significant moments where Jesus' love is poured out in our region. Like personally, not corporately, but personally to people. You're going to learn some awesome stuff and people are going to experience the love of Jesus in a way they never thought possible. I believe that. I have faith for that. And so I want 
you to do one thing in response to this. There's just one thing I'm asking you after you follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Spend a, over the next month. We're just going to do this. And I want you to, the thing I want you to do in return is send me the story. I think we need to know the stories. We need to tell the stories. We need to share them with each other. We need to encourage one another in faith. I want you to share the stories with me. I want you to send them to ross.parsley at onechapel.com. That's my actual email address, okay? All right? My assistant Tracy manages it, but it's my address. If you want to send me something confidential, just put confidential in the subject line. She doesn't read it, but, but there's, this is my address, and I want you to send me the story, and it may not be just the story of the initial give or the initial act. There may be a second act or a, a third repercussion of what happened. I want to know those stories because I think, I think we need to do, see God do something really profound and really awesome, and I want to have faith for that, and I believe he's calling us to do something profound in this city, and I'm just crazy enough to do something like this. Hold, your, hold, hold the money up. Hold it up. Everybody hold it up, and I want you to hold it up high, right? Like, okay, no, no halfway, no, mm-mm. It's the, it, when we're holding it up, here's, I'm going to pray over you. Band, I want you guys to come, and we're going to come to the Lord's table here to finish. But I want you to hold it up, and I want you to really ask him to show you, right? Consecrate this moment. Consecrate this tool, this instrument to the Lord for his use. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what he has done for us. We thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to be your presence here on the planet. And we thank you, that Holy Spirit, that you live in us. And now we consecrate our lives to you in a way today that has focus. We want to we exercise our spiritual hearing. We want to exercise what you want to say to us in our obedience. And so, Lord, we give this to you again. Direct our steps. Show us where to go. Show us what to do. Show us how to proceed. Let us listen. Help us to be attentive. We consecrate this tool to you to be used for the kingdom of God and the expansion of your love and mercy into our city and onto our region. Hundreds of people, maybe even thousands of people who are, who are experiencing a practical act, demonstration of your love for them, that you know what they're going through. Help us to be attentive to your voice and to be obedient in the moment, to take risks, to have courage. Do that in us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.